Chapter 14 of A Yankee Girl at Fort Sumter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Charlotte Boreen. A Yankee Girl at Fort Sumter by Alice Turner Curtis. Chapter 14 Mr. Robert Waite. It was a very sober little darky who came up to Sylvia's room the next morning. She set down the pitcher of water and moved silently toward the door. "'What's the matter, Estralla?' Sylvia called, for usually Estralla was all smiles and had a good deal to say. Estralla shook her head. "'Nothin', Missy. I knowed you couldn't do nothin' about it. My mammy says how nobody can.' "'Wait, Estralla, what do you mean?' exclaimed Sylvia, sitting up in bed. I's going to be sold, just like I tells you. My mammy was over to Master Waite's house last night, and she hears over dar that Master Waite's going to sell off every nigger that ain't working. This week! Estralla's voice had drifted into her old-time wail. Oh, Estralla, what can I do? And Sylvia was out of bed in a second, standing close beside the little colored girl. I don't know, Missy Sylvia. I spec dar ain't nothing you can do. "'But you has been mighty good to me,' Estralla replied. "'It's mighty hard to go off and leave my mammy "'and never see you all no more, Missy Sylvia. "'I don't know where I'll be sent.' "'Estralla, if you were earning wages for Mr. Robert Waite, "'would he let you stay here?' Sylvia asked eagerly. "'I reckon he would, Missy. "'But who's going to pay wages for a pickin' like me? "'Nobody. "'Missy?' "'I's a-gwine to run off and hide myself till the Yankee soldiers comes and sets us free,' said Estralla. "'You can't do that. But don't be frightened, Estralla. I have thought of something. I will hire you. Yes, I will, and pay wages for you to Mr. Waite.' "'I'll go tell him so this very day,' declared Sylvia, her face brightening, as she remembered the twenty dollars in gold which her grandmother Fulton had given her when she had left Boston.' "'You can do whatever you please with it,' was what Grandmother Fulton had said. Sylvia had thought that she would ask her mother to buy her a watch with the money, but she did not remember that now. She knew that, more than anything, she would rather keep Estralla safe. Twenty dollars was a good deal of money, she reflected. If the northern soldiers would only come quickly and set the slaves free, but even if they did not come for a long time— the money would surely pay Mr. Waite's wages for Estralla, so that he would not insist on selling her. Estralla's face had brightened instantly at Sylvia's promise, and when Sylvia explained that she had money of her very own, and even opened her writing-desk and showed Estralla the shining gold pieces, the little darky's fears vanished. She was as sure that all would be well now, as she had been frightened and despondent when she entered the room. "'Shall I tell my mammy?' she asked eagerly. "'Yes,' Sylvia responded. "'I know my mother will let me, "'because Grandma said I can do as I please with the money, "'and I please to pay it to Mr. Waite.' "'Then I'll be your maid, won't I, Missy Sylvia?' "'chuckled the little darky with proud delight. "'And I'll allers go where yo goes, "'like Missy Flora Hayes' mammy does.' "'Why, yes, I suppose you will,' agreed Sylvia. "'Sylvia had meant to tell her mother and father "'of her plan about Estralla at breakfast-time,' but her father was just leaving the dining-room when she came in. "'Are you going to ask your little friends to go out in the butterfly this afternoon?' he asked. "'If you want to go to the forts, you must be on hand early.' 
I'll ask them right away after breakfast, before they start for school, Sylvia promised eagerly. She was glad she could go to the forts again and tell Mrs. Carleton that she had given the letter to Mr. Doane. This filled her thoughts for a moment, so she quite forgot about her plan to employ Estralla, especially as her mother had decided that lessons would not begin until the following week. It had seemed to Mrs. Fulton that her little daughter was tired, and not as well as usual, and she was glad that the sailing expedition would take her out for a long afternoon on the water. Sylvia ate her breakfast hurriedly, and ran upstairs for her cape and hat, to find Estralla waiting just inside the door of her room. "'What your mammy say about my being your maid?' questioned little Darky. "'Oh, it will be all right. I am going to ask Grace and Flora to go sailing this afternoon, and I'll keep on to Mr. Robert Waits and have it all settled this morning,' Sylvia replied, putting on her pretty new hat. "'You may come, too,' she added. "'Yes, Missy.' "'What you reckon Master Robert going to say?' questioned Estralla earnestly. "'I think I will take the money,' Sylvia said, not answering Estralla's question. Then Mr. Waite will be sure that I can pay him. Mrs. Fulton saw Sylvia, closely followed by Estralla, running across the garden toward the house where Grace Waite lived. Poor little darky! What will she do when Sylvia goes north, she thought. For Mr. Fulton had told her that very morning that he was sure South Carolina would secede from the Union, and then northern men would no longer be welcome in Charleston. That meant, of course, that the Fultons would have to return to Boston— if that were possible, but all communication with northern states might be prevented. It was no wonder that Mr. and Mrs. Fulton were anxious and worried. Grace was ready to start for school when Sylvia and Estralla arrived, and her mother gave her consent at once for her to go sailing in the afternoon. "'The Christmas holidays will soon be here, so a half-day out of school will not matter,' Mrs. Waite said smilingly, and gave Grace a note for Miss Patton. "'I'll walk to Flora's with you,' said Grace." Now, Sylvia, own up that you think Charleston is nicer than Boston. Why, it's all ice and snow and cold weather up there, and here it is warm and pleasant. You couldn't go sailing if you were in Boston today, she added laughingly. No, but I could go sleighing, responded Sylvia. As they came in sight of Flora's home, they both exclaimed in surprise. Why, they are all going away. Look, Flora and her mother are in the carriage, said Grace. "'and there is Philip on horseback.' "'The carriage had turned on to the street, "'and even as Grace spoke, "'a curve in the road hid it from view. "'Philip, evidently giving some directions to the Negroes "'who were loading trunks and boxes into a cart, "'rode down the driveway just as Grace and Sylvia reached the entrance. "'He greeted them smilingly "'and stopped his horse to speak with them. "'It was all planned for us to go to the plantation "'before Flora got home last night,' he explained. Father thought it was best for the family to be out of the city. You see, it's getting time for the Carolinians to take possession of the forts, and there may be trouble. But the palmetto flag will soon float over Fort Sumter, he added smilingly, and with a touch of his cap and a smiling good-bye he rode off. Sylvia was sorry that Flora was going away, but that Philip should want the palmetto flag to take the place of the stars and stripes over Fort Sumter seemed a much greater misfortune. "'When he knows it stands for slavery,' she thought, "'wondering if he had entirely forgotten about Dinky. "'I'll have to run or I'll be late for school,' declared Grace. "'I'll be all ready when you call.' "'And with a gay good-bye she was off down the street, "'leaving Sylvia and Estralla standing alone "'near the high wall which enclosed the garden of the Hayes house. "'Massa Robert Waite, 
"'He live right round the corner,' said Estralla, and the two girls turned down the street leading to the house of Estralla's master. Sylvia went up the flight of stone steps, which led to Mr. Waite's door a little fearfully. A tall, good-natured colored man opened the door and asked her errand, and then led the way across the wide hall and rapped at the door. "'A little white missy to see you, Master Robert,' he said, and in a moment Sylvia found herself standing before a smiling gentleman, whose red face and white whiskers made her think of the pictures of Santa Claus. "'Won't you be seated, young lady?' he said very politely, waving his hand toward a low-cushioned chair, and bowing, as if I were really grown up, thought Sylvia. "'I am Sylvia Fulton,' she said, wondering why her voice sounded so faint. "'Perhaps you are the daughter of Mr. John Fulton, who does me the favor of renting my house on the East Battery,' responded Mr. Waite, with another bow. "'Yes, sir,' said Sylvia meekly, wondering whether she would ever dare tell him her errand. There was a little silence, and then Mr. Waite took a seat near his little visitor and said, "'Let me see. Is not your name in a song?' "'Then to Sylvia let us sing,' he hummed, beating time with his right hand. "'Oh, yes, I was named for that song. And, if you please, Mr. Waite, would you let me pay you wages for Estralla? "'For Estralla? Now, of course, I ought to know all about Estralla, but, you see, I have a man who attends to the names and all that of my negroes. But perhaps you can tell me who Estralla is,' replied Mr. Waite. "'If you please, sir, she is Aunt Connie's little girl, and she lives with us, and I like her, and I thought—' began Sylvia, but Mr. Waite raised his hand, and she stopped suddenly. "'I see, I see. You want her to wait upon you. I see. Quite right.' but if she is living in your house, then she is not costing me a penny for board. So I am indebted to you. Well, well, I must see that whatever you wish is carried out. You need not pay me wages, little Miss Sylvia, but you shall have the girl for your own servant as long as you live in my house, and I am delighted to have you take her off my hands. Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. And Mr. Waite smiled and bowed and seemed exactly like Santa Claus. "'I'm ever so much obliged,' said Sylvia. "'I like Estralla.' "'Do you?' "'Yes, well, and I hope you will come again, Miss Sylvia. "'I am greatly pleased to have made your acquaintance.' And the polite gentleman escorted her to the door, where he bade her good-bye with such an elegant bow that Sylvia nearly fell backward in her effort to make as low a curtsy as seemed necessary. Estralla had hidden herself behind some shrubbery and joined Sylvia at the gate. "'Would he hire me out, Missy?' she asked eagerly. "'My, no!' answered Sylvia, and before she could explain the generosity of Estralla's owner, the little darky was wailing and sobbing. "'I knowed I'd be sold! I knowed it!' "'Keep still, Estralla. Mr. Waite says I may have you without paying him. Just as long as I live in his house, he said you were to be my maid. Oh, Estralla!' "'He was just as kind and polite as if I had been a grown-up young lady,' said Sylvia, with enthusiasm. "'Yes, am I reckons he would have to be, cause he's a Carolinian gentleman. "'I's mighty glad he gives me to you, Missy. "'I reckon my mammy's going to be glad,' and Estralla, quite forgetting that there was such a thing as trouble in the world, danced along beside her new mistress. Sylvia hurried home, eager to tell her mother of her wonderful new friend, and of Flora's departure to the plantation. Mrs. Fulton listened in surprise, 
but when Sylvia finished her story of Mr. Waite's kindness, declaring that he was just like Santa Claus, she did not reprove her for going on such an errand without permission, but agreed with her little daughter that Mr. Robert Waite was a very kind and generous gentleman. Aunt Connie was as delighted as it was possible for a mother to be who knows that her youngest child is safe under the same roof with herself. She tried to thank Sylvia for protecting Estralla, but Sylvia was too happy over her success to listen to her. When Grace returned from school, Sylvia ran over and told her all about Uncle Robert's kindness. Grace listened with wondering eyes. "'Oh, that's just like Uncle Robert,' she declared. "'But I think you were brave to ask him.'" End of chapter 14 Recording by Charlotte Boreen